So welcome back. Um, we are in the middle of chapter two, and we have been discussing the qualities that elicit trust, namely seven qualities that if one is in possession of all seven of these qualities, then one will be well served to place his trust in that person who possesses those qualities. And as we mentioned, just to review from the previous class, first quality is compassion and kindness, that the person is actually nice. Second quality is that they are attentive and focused. They actually um, care about your situation. Um, the third is that they are powerful enough to do something about it. They have the wherewithal. The fourth is that they know what you need. And not just what you need now, but what is going to be good for you in the future as well. The fifth quality is that they are the one who's always been and always will be your steward taking care of you um, throughout your entire lifetime. The sixth quality is that they are the only one who takes care of you. So the fifth one is constantly all the time. The sixth one is completely, totally, not dividing with anybody else any other responsibilities. And the seventh is that they are they are um, gratuitously kind. Not just that they're kind, but that they are kind even when we are undeserving. Okay, so those are the seven qualities that elicit trust. Someone asks here, why can't we just have the seventh quality and that will automatically include the first? That's a great question. Um, that's a great question. Obviously, one has something that the other doesn't have. And uh, I'd have to think about what that is. It's a good question. If anyone comes up with an answer, please uh, post it to the chat, either privately or, uh, or to everybody. Okay. So we haven't said yet where we find all of these. Who can find all of these, you know, you know what it reminds me of when Yasef uh, interprets Pare's dreams and he's like, and basically, bottom line, what you're going to need is a smart Jewish boy who can run this whole thing for you. And he's like, mm, where can we find someone like, oh, okay, fine. So um, where can we find the one who is in possession of all these qualities? Because if we can find someone who has all these qualities, we will, we will be forced to logically conclude that it is fitting and right to put our trust in his hands. Okay, so let's continue here in the text. When we investigate these seven conditions, we do not find them at all among the created beings. We don't find that any created being has all these qualities. In Tzoyim Kulam, however, we find all of them, 
by the Creator. The Creator has all of these qualities. Namely, that He is compassionate to His creations. Kemeshakosov, like it says, Racham God is compassionate and gracious. The Amaran it says, Should I not have compassion on Ninveh, the great city? Okay, before we continue here, I just want to comment that what we're about to do is go through the seven qualities and say how we find them in Hashem. And Rebbeinu Bechaya is going to bring scriptural proof for each one of these. Um, like he says, Kamei as it is written, as it is written, as it is written. And he's going to bring proof texts for all of these qualities. Um, so before we do that, I just, I want to address this a little bit because um, it's an interesting, well, it's an interesting way of making an argument. If we believe these things because they're self-evident, because we see them to be true, then we don't need proof texts. And if we don't see these things to be true, then having a proof text, having scripture quoted at us, isn't exactly going to compel us. I mean, it's not going to inspire trust. The whole idea here is to win over our trust so that we can, uh, you know, breathe and relax and, and surrender into Hashem's hands. So what's with this approach? And um, yeah, it's a good question. Okay. What, what, what's the approach of quoting scripture? So I'll tell you a, a couple of ways to explain it. Um, one way to explain it, which is a little bit more simple, is um, the way the Paslachim explains it. He says that through familiarizing ourselves with these verses, we can easily call to mind these seven qualities that are, that are found by Hashem and arouse trust in Hashem. But... They're, they're only mnemonics. They're, they're memory pegs. They're, they're to remind us of something that we already know to be true based on our own observation and our own experience and our own logic. So the verses are just here to sort of, um, like I said, memory pegs to remind us that uh, these qualities are true. Um, so that's one approach. That's one approach, and and certainly there needs to be some explanation. Otherwise, like I said, it's just it, it, it's it's a funny way of arguing. I don't mean arguing like like um, you know a fight. I mean like uh, rhetoric. You know, it's a, it's a funny way of posing an an, an argument of uh, of effectively uh, proving something or convincing an audience of something. So so that's one an, an answer is that Rabbeinu Bahai is not trying to convince us that Hashem has these seven qualities. He knows that we know that Hashem has these seven qualities, and he's giving us these verses as a way to, to remind ourselves of these qualities. Okay. But then there's another approach. There's another way of, of looking at it. And, and, and this we find in Chassidus. And specifically, 
in Lukute Sichas, in Chelek Chof Zayin. There is a Hadron Al Haramba from Shabbos Parshas Vyakil, Parshish Golem, Shabbos Mavochem, Chedish Adesheni, Tovshin Mem Vav. And the Rebbe made a Hadron and Rambam, the Rebbe concluded the, the, the daily cycle of, uh, of three prokim a day of Rambam and, uh, and delivered this uh, explanation of, of the Mishnah Torah. So over there, the Rebbe is asking a similar question about the Rambam, why he quotes proof texts for ideas that he proves logically. In fact, that he already had proven logically. You see here in Sif Vav, it says, mm-hmm. This is what the Navi says, and he quotes he quotes the Navi there. Um, he quotes Yermiyahu. Uh, what does it mean? Hashem alakim emes. emes. Vein emes. Kimitase. And he, he is uniquely true, and there's no other that is true like his truth. So this is like what the Taita says. And uh, he quotes the, the Pasuk, There is no else. There is none other than Hashem. And so the Rebbe asks, It's not understood. This concept that Hashem is the true existence in Halachic Gimel. Okay, so what we're quoting just now was Halacha Dalid of Yisaidiyat uh, Torah, but in Halacha Gimel previously, the Rambam had already explained this logically with philosophical proofs. He explained that that, that all of the Nimtzayim need Him. All the existences are dependent upon His existence, but His existence doesn't need them, and therefore there is no true existence like His true existence. At any rate. So the Rambam already explained it logically. Why do we need a uh, why do we need a uh, why do we need proof texts to back it up? Either explained it well and we don't need the texts, or if he didn't explain it well, why is quoting scripture going to going to convince us? So the Rambam basically explains, and and this is very worthwhile study. I, I recommend anyone who's interested. In Rambam and who's interested in Chassidus or just interested in, 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 in deep ideas just to study this, this Hadron. But basically it's like this, that Hashem is above any type of definition. And Hashem created logic. Logic is a creation. You understand? We, th- we take it for granted that logic is, is logic. No, logic is logic because Hashem created logic. And now that he created logic, so there's a certain internal consistency to it. But before Hashem created logic, there could have been a different logic, right? So logic is is, is a creation. And therefore, Hashem himself is not bound by logic. So how can we know Hashem? How can we know the, 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 the characteristics and the traits of Hashem? We can really only know Hashem through what He's transmitted to us, meaning what He's told us, what He Himself told us about Him, which is through Torah. So that's why the basis of everything is Torah. 
And after we've received it from Torah, it's true because Torah says it's true, then we can digest the logic. But Hashem himself is above the logic, and he's not bound by the logic, so he isn't any of these things because logic dictates that he must be. He is these things because he's these things, because he decided, because that's what he wants. And therefore, the only way for a human being to relate to something like that is not through logic. We can't directly get it through logic. We have to have it given to us through Torah, through absolute uh, morality, absolute truth, as it is revealed to us, as, as it's given from above to below. And that's why we quote the scripture. Then after you quote the scripture, then we can go back and we can, we can address the logic. And, and so that's the reason that I've explains that in chapter one of Mishnah Torah, in the Hilchas Yesedah Torah, that Ambam brings proofs, scriptural proofs, for, for, for the fact that Hashem's existence is the only uniquely true existence, absolute, unconditional existence, after he already explained it to us logically, because the logic alone cannot accurately describe Hashem. First, we have the logic, but we can't even finish. Uh, we can't even finish dealing with the logic. We can't absorb the logic until we have until we have the Torah as well. So, with with, with that in mind, I just want to. Otherwise, I, I think it's kind of funny for us to um, go through all of these seven qualities, and he just one after the other. He just quotes Silken, He quotes verses and says, "Kamei shukah if, if this is logic, it's logic. If, it, if it's quoting scripture, then, then, then you don't have to, we don't need a treatise at all. You don't have to, to, to convince me to believe in Hashem. You can just order to me. You can just order me. You can just tell me I have to do it. It's, 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 it's a divine fiat. But since this is logical, it should have logical arguments. So in the spirit of the way that Ebbe explains the beginning of Mishnah Torah, we could also look at it this way, that Rebbeinu Bechaya is giving us logical arguments However, along with those logical arguments, since after all, what's the subject we're addressing here at this lesson? Traits of Hashem. So since we're trying to know Hashem, who is, a fu who is fundamentally unknowable, and maybe I, let me, maybe I didn't say it clearly enough. Hashem is above logic. Therefore, you cannot use logic alone to reach any conclusions about Him. Does that make sense? Hashem is above logic, because Hashem created logic. Therefore, you cannot use logic alone to reach any conclusions about the nature of Hashem. Therefore, I need to have divine revelation. I need scripture. I need Torah for, to tell me who Hashem is. Okay? But then, after I have that, then I can go work within the internal consistency of the logic. Okay? Fine. So let's, let's continue here. Okay, continuing. The second trait, the second quality. He doesn't ignore. He's not neglectful. Like it says, The garden of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Okay, and then, He is wise and he is invincible. Pasuk from Eov. Wise of heart and mighty in power, who has ever stubbornly resisted him and survived? The honor, and it says, Hashem Agdullah Vahadifedes Vahanitzah Vahahid 
To you, Hashem, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Uchsiv, and it also says, Hashem, Hashem, your God, is in your midst, a warrior who brings victory. Furthermore, he is the one who is the only one who governs over the person from the beginning of his existence and development. Like it says, Is he not your father who created you, who made you and established you? The Amr, and it says, Alecha nismachni mi beten, mimeimi atogezi. I have been supported by you from the womb, from my mother's belly you removed me. The Amr, and it says, Haloi kecholov tatikheni vechagvina takpieni. Have you not poured me out like milk and curled, curdled me like cheese? That's talking about being made, person being uh, created. Ushar Inyan, and like it says in the rest of the Inyan over there in uh, in Eov. Okay, and furthermore, that the that benefit and damage to a person, they're not in the power of any man. Only exclusively in the hands of Hashem. Like it says in Scripture, Who has spoken and it came to pass unless Hashem has commanded it. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and evil come? From Echa. The Amr, and it says, Yovesh chatzir novel tzitzudvar elekeinu yokum lo'elam. Grass dries up, flowers wither, but the word of our God stands forever. The Amr, and it says, Ochin chatzir ha'am. Surely people are but grass. Ukfar hizboro inyin hazeh, b'maymer ha'shlishim in ha'sefer hazeh, and Rebbe says, I've already explained this part, this concept, uh, more than sufficiently in the third treatise of this book, the uh, the Shar on, uh, on Avedas Hashem, on Divine Service. His generosity is universal, and his kindness is all-embracing. Like it says, God is good to all, and his mercy is upon all his works. And it says, He who gives food to all flesh, for his love endures forever. And it says, You open up your hand and satisfy every living thing with blessing. And the intellect decrees, meaning you're forced to conclude, logically. That when you find all these seven qualities collected in Hashem, exclusively, and not in any created being, therefore, per se, one is forced to conclude, The above verses from Scripture are cited merely as a reminder in other words, Rebbeinu Bachaya says very clearly that this is not the basis of his argument. Well, why not? If you're saying it, why is it not the base? Why is it not the basis of your argument? Or if it's not the basis of your argument, why are you saying it? He says it's a zikkot in Bilvad. It's just a reminder. 
Or, like we explained, according to Chassidus, what that also means is that that's our way of first absorbing ideas that are fundamentally beyond logic. Okay, fine. So, let's continue. V'kasher yisbarer zela adam v'tischazik hakarasei b'amitis chesed abeire. So when it's clear to a person and he becomes strong in his awareness in the true kindness of the Creator, in other words, when he thinks about all these things that we've presented, Yivtach Bey, he will trust in Hashem, Yimasere love, and he will surrender himself to Hashem. He will place himself in the care of Hashem. And he will uh, leave the guidance of his life to him. Why should I run my own life when Hashem has better plans for me and more kind plans and, and, <laughs> and smarter plans for me than my plans? So I'm going to let him run my life. Not because oh, I'm trying to be a good boy. I think I'm so pious. I'm going to live life according to Hashem's rules, not my rules. No, it's for my own good. He knows what's good for me way better than I do. Let me surrender to his care. Okay. Also, what's going to happen? You're not going to second guess his decisions. Because you know he's taking care of you. And his way of doing things is so much better than our way of doing things. So we're not going to second guess any of his decisions. And we're not going to be angry with his choices for us. Like they say in kindergarten, you get what you get and don't get upset. Whatever Hashem chooses for us, why would I get upset? He's choosing perfectly for me. What, I should get what I choose for myself? I don't know how to choose for myself. He should choose for me. Okay. Kamesha Omar. David Oliver Shalom, like King David, peace be upon him, says, Case Yeshua's Esau, Vashem Hashem Akra, a cup of salvation I lift and I call out with God's name. That's talking about when times are rocking and rolling, when life is good, when life is fat. That's called Case Yeshua's Esau. I'm lifting up a cup of salvation. And what do you do when you're holding the cup of salvation? Vashem Hashem Akra, I call out in Hashem's name, Hashem, thank you so much for this. Ve'amar, and the same David Melech, the same King David, peace be upon him, has said, Sarve Yogin Emsa, I found trouble and sorrow. And what was my response? The same response. I call, I, I'll call out in the name of Hashem. It's interesting. Speaking of David Amalekh and Tehillim, and whether it's a case Yeshua says, whether I'm holding up a cup of salvation, or I'm in a situation, God forbid, of Tzad of a Yogi where I'm finding anguish and, and, and pain and trouble and sorrow. Either way, the response is, B'Shem Hashem I'm calling out in Hashem's name. So apparently, in 770, Yud Shvat Tov Shin Yud, the passing of the, the Friedrich Rebbe, so Chassidim were gathered in 770, and they were all saying Tehillim. They were fervently reading Tehillim with, with, with desperation because they had found the Friedrich Rebbe slumped over in, at his desk, 
and um, the, the medical prognosis was not good, and they, indeed, this was the the illness that uh, this was the this was the This was the this was the histalkus of the Fidigarebis. So the Chassidim were in seven seventy, and with tears they were they were they were saying to him, just reading to him. What else can a Jew do at times of such distress? They were they were saying to him, crying out to Hashem, and uh, at one point the Rebbe. The Fidigar Rebbe's son-in-law, the, his successor, came into the Zal, where the Chassidim were gathered, and they saw a change in his expression, meaning they knew something something had happened and it probably wasn't good. And the Rebbe said to them, Jetzt darf man sagen die andere Tehillim. Now we have to say the other Tehillim. He didn't mean different capitulach, different chapters. He meant before we were saying till him that Hashem should save the Rebbe. Now we're saying till him because there was a histalkus. In other words, a Jew, a Jew connects to Hashem. A Jew says to him, a Jew calls out Hashem. And in this situation, in that situation, okay, in both of these situations, it was somewhat negative, but, but one at least there was a hope, and the other one was 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 all their hopes had been dashed. But the response is the same. We say Tehillim, the Andre Tehillim. What's the Andre Tehillim? It's it's the same Tehillim. It's even when what if it's crazy Shuis saw then B'shem Hashem Ekra. When 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 it's sort of a Yogenem saw. <laughs> Whatever we're going through in life, we call out in Hashem's name. So that brings us to the end of chapter two. And we have the qualities, the seven qualities, which are found only uniquely in Hashem. And uh, we will continue tomorrow night with chapter three. <laughs>